Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, delighted to be joined by Rebecca Griffiths, the founder and CEO of Primus. Rebecca, you're very welcome to the show. Hello, welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, um, Yeah, good to be here and good to be doing another podcast. So yeah, thanks for inviting me on the show. Delighted to have you. I feel like this is episode 183. So we're off to a good start. Busy Um, man. (laughs) Rebecca, typical fashion of the show is we start with, we, we wind the clock to go back to where you grew up. I know you went to uni in Surrey and then did a master's in Sheffield. Yep. But where did you grow up and what was yeah. life like growing up? <laughs> Brilliant. Love the question. So I am a Sheffield bird. I grew up in Sheffield. Um, that's where all of my family are from. Um, so yeah, northern bird that entered the south about 12 years ago. So now I live on the outskirts of London. Um, uh, but I've always got my northern heart in me, like my northern accent. I'm still as tight as anything because northerners are. So, you know, apologies to anybody who is northern who's listening to this. Um, but yeah, Sheffield, born and bred. And I was born and raised in pubs my mom and dad were landlord and landladies for about 18 years of my childhood so I moved around a lot and I moved in different pubs and yeah lived a bit of a life which was good fun so you lived in the north of England and lived in pubs that's that that's the dream upbringing that is absolutely I think I poured my first pint when I was about seven so I remember like one it was summer holidays you know when there's no time to go to bed every day's a school every day's a holiday and um my I remember my dad sort of saying do you want to come and help me you know pull pull a pie and I was like absolutely so I remember coming downstairs and he was like you know the crates he would stand me on the crate so I could get hold of the of the of the of the of the beer barrel and pull this pie and he'd t- teach me how to lean the glass forward so you're not got that little head and oh yeah I remember I was seven and I remember it was like and then every night at the summer I was like can I come down and pour you a pint dad and he's like I'm not having one tonight I'm like what you have a pint every night and he's like no <laughs> not tonight <laughs> so yeah seven I would say seven or eight was when I wow. pulled my first pint in a pub Holy yeah moly. you mentioned your parents one of the questions I like to ask guests is uh, if you go back and stick with that particular time of life, whether relatives, teachers for school, people yeah. can usually point to a handful of people that had a impact on their life then that helped them become the person they are today. Does anybody spring to mind for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this this is a funny one, actually, because I've got like two things that will spring to mind, A, from a good perspective, but also from a bad perspective as well, which is where I've kind of got to in, in, in like now. So I think from a good perspective, like when I look at my parents, like we've always been very much um, everything we've been given has been built from scratch. Mm. You know, we, when mom and dad used to go into pubs, they always they was always given like underperforming pubs to go in and really turn it around, whether turn it into a really family restaurant, you know, get all the scumbags out and bring in the nice punters you know what I mean and that was always their challenge they loved the challenge they never they loved walking in and going wow this is hellhole but we love it and we've got two years to turn this around and be the number one pub in the country or in the region so for me I look at it from that I've always seen my parents do that 
Yeah. Uh, and I've always seen that, you know, with hard work, determination, and a bit of grit, you can get what you want in life. You know, it's not going to be handed to you. Very rarely things are handed to you. Um, so for me, when I look back on my childhood and kind of where I'm at now, yeah, a lot of that has come from my parents kind of, you know, pushing me in the right direction. But then also on the flip side, when I look at things like school teachers and, you know, everybody, they push things down your throat at school or you need to have the best education, the best uni, the best this, the best that. I'm all for education, don't get me wrong, but I remember a certain teacher saying to me, you know, don't apply for A-levels. You're not going to get into A-levels. You're not going to get the grades for that. And that to me, when someone says you're not going to do it, I'm more like, I am actually going to do this and I'm going to show you how I can do it. So when you said, like, where do people stick in your mind? The he sticks in my mind even, even now, like building the company and taking no's, but it's just how you get knocked down. It's how you get back up again. And I always see it that way. It's funny the fuel that we use to push ourselves. Like often when I'm in a, in a period about to embark on a new challenge, sometimes I think of people that I really dislike who've said something to me as fuel to push me through it or other yeah, times exactly. I think of people that I absolutely love as like yeah. I don't want to let them down yep um yep. you mentioned uni in, in in while you were talking and by the way shout out to your parents as well um for the upbringing aside of the pulling pints at seven years old it sounded like <laughs> rafters um yeah. but uh I'm only joking I wish my parents were teaching me to pull pints at seven I had to get a legal <laughs> job but I like, at 18 to learn how to pull them brilliant yeah brilliant. um Uni, you went to, I'm looking at my screen here to my right, if you see my eyes go, yep. uh, Surrey to study international business and then further on to Sheffield to uh, Sheffield Uni to do a master's in international business. Yep. Why did you choose that topic? Um, I think for me, I've always wanted to get into the business world. Um, mm -hmm. I've always wanted either to work in big corporate businesses or potentially be my own boss years ago when I was looking at sort of that long term future. I think for me in the world of business, it's a very much it's a module you can take anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world, you can take a business degree with you and go into a, you know, a FTSE 500 company and say, I know how to do X, Y, and Z. You know, yes, university is a piece of paper, but it also builds you the foundations to where you want to take your direction in that career. Uh, and for me, when I chose to do those particular sort of um, qualifications, let's say, that to me is because I wanted to take the knowledge and the information I'd learned and drive it into my career past you know present mm. and also and also future as well so with that outside of uni you got a job at amazon it's one of the first jobs listed on your linkedin you spent just over eight years there yep. started as a sales director ended up yep. in a leadership position as part of amazon prime correct so two kind of questions around that first of all from those eight years jumping into the corporate world was there any skills or behaviors that you got to kind of hone and improve looking back that you can uh, that you can tie to your time at Amazon yeah I think for me working in a big business like Amazon is a huge achievement for me anyway you know a big brand that everybody in the world knows them mm -hmm. um I mean to get into the doors is a grueling process it's an eight hour interview process Jesus. It's with, yeah it's with multiple senior leaders across multiple departments it's not a let's come in have a couple of hours do we like each other can we do it it's 
can your core capabilities and you as an individual come in and make a change to the future of what we want to build at Amazon? And, you know, I'll always remember my interview days back at Amazon, uh, back at Holborn in London years ago, walking through those double doors thinking, holy moly, I'm in um, Amazon's HQ. It's crazy. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, how for me, it was all about how do I... Um, how do I embed all of that information into that around customer experience and tech and so forth? What I was going to ask you around your, not just focusing on Amazon, before you move on to premise, you, you've, you've been in a number of leadership roles or, or, or led teams. From your time leading teams, is there anything that you learned from so I'll give you an example here. One of the things I was talking to you today about a leader about was learned helplessness and where people come to him and kept coming to him asking for help on certain topics and he kept giving them the answers rather than saying, you know, what would you do if I wasn't here? Or, you know, go away for 20 minutes, work on it and we'll come together and work on it, kind of forcing them to kind of get better at themselves rather than just feeding them the answer. Is there any things that when you look at your early career leading teams to the later part of your career, that you look back with fond memories going, actually, I did pretty good there. I mean, when I, I, I always look on my Amazon time very fondly because for me, I grew as an individual there. I, I grew in business. I grew in sort of team leadership. I had a whole new respect for leadership. You know, Amazon as a business, as much as every business has a mission statement or a leadership principle and they stick it all over the wall but do they run with it not really they just post it on socials and say how wonderful it is amazon have core values amazon have core leadership principles that you are measured you're monitored you are kpi'd at and it's all dependent on your next yearly raise the next bonus your commission the next amount of shares you're giving into the business and they drive you towards that so every Every piece of business work you would do, project, uh, discussion was always, it wasn't taken lightly. Um, mm. And I remember, you know, walking into several leadership uh, meetings with a project plan, an idea. I've spent, you know, days, months working that out on a Word document to walk into a room and there's maybe 10, 11 of us around a table. You give your, you, you hand over your document and if the business doesn't believe in it or the business believes that the customer doesn't want it, that project's ripped up, put it in the bin, move on. Like we don't waste time. If it's not going to help the, if it's not going to benefit the consumer and our customers don't want it, we're not going to do it. And I quickly realized, I was like, what? Like, could you have not told me this months ago when I've been sat up all night doing the document? And they're like, no, because then we thought we needed it, but now we don't need it. We need to do something else. We need mm. to always be innovating, always be learning and always be learning towards our leadership principles. So I always look back on my time fondly and I've always taken them, those core capabilities into other businesses, into startups and also into the business that I created now, because no matter what size business you are, if you have a core offering and capability and a, a core journey and idea, you can implement that anywhere, mm. absolutely anywhere. One man band to a thousand people, like, you know, you've got to be really strong on what you're trying to perceive into the world. Bingo. Primus, you'll do a much better job at giving the 30 second commercial that I will, considering yeah. it's your baby. So the yeah. mic is yours. 
Thanks. Um, so yeah, Premise um, is a customer experience uh, post-purchase platform. So really we're pioneering the next generation of what customers are wanting online and also offline in the final mile world. And what I mean by final mile is all about when the customer has emotionally, you know, connected with the brand online, they parted with their cash, they're at home waiting for that anticipated order to arrive. Our piece of software delivers, you know, brand immersive experiences from the moment of making that purchase to the moment that delivery driver is knocking at your door with your parcel, we come in and build that entire end-to-end customer experience and remove that third-party tracking information from Hermes and deliver you a personalized branded experience from SMS to WhatsApp to email to everything in between. And it's all around building that customer experience journey in a much more seamless manner then pushing everything out to all your third-party couriers and so forth I'll, I'll leave a link to your socials and websites wherever people are listening mm. or watching this but something something struck me on your LinkedIn it said that um, customers that rate companies with a high customer experience score 10 out of 10 yep. uh, spend 140% more and remain loyal for up to six years that blew my mind because you know it's a lot easier to keep a customer than it is to win a customer absolutely Absolutely. With acquisition costs just going through the roof, mm. you know, so many brands focus here at the top of the funnel where it's light, it's fluffy, it's nice. Oh, let's do social, let's do influencers, let's do marketing, let's do PPC, let's do a nice advert. But actually, once you've captured them and you brought them into the funnel and you're at the bottom of the funnel where they've actually gone, OK, I've built trust with you. You show me all these wonderful things. Now I've handed over a thousand pounds. And then something potentially may go wrong. You ring up the brand and then the brand goes, oh, that's not ours. You need to go and talk to DHL. No, I gave you the money. I'm your customer. I'm not DHL's customer. That's your supplier. And that's where your customers now, customers customers are changing. Customers are getting more and more fickle. There's too much noise out there in the market for any anything you're looking for. If you're looking for a white top, there's hundreds of brands you can go and look for a white top. Mm -hmm. But if you have a really rubbish service, you're going to go, well, I'm not going there. If you have a great service, what do we do? We tell our friends, we tell our family, we purchase again, we spend more, we stay with them longer. And brands sometimes don't realize that. They just go, no, no, back to the top of the funnel again, keep pumping more money in. You're like, hello, you've got your customers here. They're at the palm of your hands. They're engaged in your brand. Nurture them because they will be there in six years. The top of the funnel won't be. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be some overlap in people's minds when, when they think of this. Some people might get confused between customer service and customer experience. And I'm sure based on the face you're making, that's something that you come up against again and again. Can you distinguish the two for us? Yeah, so obviously customer service is the physical part of if a customer wants to speak to the brand, they're talking to a customer service agent. Mm -hmm. And you've got customer experience, which is all around how do you as a brand stand out from the crowd and deliver a true end-to-end -end experience? That gotcha. could be anything from searching for you online, easy, you know, easy mobile app to, to move around. It's a three-click sort of trans, you know, a transaction. It's not clunky. Everything's seamless. That's all part of CX, you know, right through to that delivery. 
that is part of CX, right through to sending the product back because a t-shirt doesn't fit you. That still sits within customer experience. Customer service is still a department that feeds into that CX. Mm. The customer service is just somebody at the end of the phone answering a, answering a customer query. And normally, if we're having an unhappy path, we go to them. If we're having a good path, we don't need to ring anybody. So we don't use them. I noticed that you've been hiring recently. A CTO uh-huh. you put up a couple of weeks ago. Congrats on that. And Thank digital you. marketing executive 48 hours ago or something yeah, like that. Yeah, literally yesterday. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. When it comes to hiring, you know, people can make mistakes. It's just part of business. Not not every hire is going to be like the perfect hire. Yeah. As someone who's trying to build a business, what do you do to try reduce the risks of that? Are there any things in place so that you're not just purely going off? This is my sister's friend. I'm going to give them a job. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, really good one. So we've, we started really hiring in the business at the end of last year following, following our recent raise. Um, and we knew that we had to start hiring talent. It's so hard out there. Fire, mm. getting, hiring good talent is one. Hiring good talent on a, on a good salary is another. And everybody wants the world right now is what I see. You know, we are a fully remote business. We can offer all those things of you can work wherever you're comfortable, work wherever you like. My motto is work, 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 do what you want, just get the job done. And we're all on the same page. So when we started to go out there and look for, for teams from sales to ops to marketing, you know, I'm very, very, very cautious of it has to be the right because we're still such a small business. One bad high can affect all of us. And we were very, very careful of that. And, you know, being honest, and, and this will go out to other business owners and leaders, we've made a couple of poor choices. We've made a couple of bad mm-hmm. hires. Uh, but do I, but we rectified it very, very quickly. I, I had to kind of remove the, 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 the uh, what's the word, uh, the heart out of it and say, okay, mm-hmm. I don't want to let this person go. But also if I keep you for another two, three months, you're going to affect my entire business. Yeah. And I can't do that. You know, so I have to remove the emotion. I have to kind of think of it very business minded, which was hard. Don't get me wrong. I've had, but I had to do it in person. You know, I had to kind of be very much, you know, these are the reasons this is not personal. It's just, I will, I, it will go wrong later down the line. And I can't afford for that to go wrong right now. And I will make mistakes as we grow, but I need to nip this in the bud before it gets too much. Um, and, and that's hard. But then over the last couple of months, we've made some really good hires because we've, we've learned. We've, we've learned how to do it. We've, we've now grown as a business. I'm growing as an individual every day that I look at this. And, you know, we're human. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to. I've, I've gone into jobs that's been the wrong thing for me, thinking it's right at the interview. You accept the job, you walk in. And day one, you're like, this is not what I thought it would be, mm-hmm. you know. But we live and learn. We move on. And but yeah, with recent I hires, it's just solidifying um, sort of the next process over the couple of months of what we're hiring for and what we want to achieve. Congrats! Congrats on your recent uh, round as well. Thank you. Yeah. So that was last. Uh, we did literally closed all that out in December of last year, uh, and now we're back on that train again. Where right? We need. To, do we need to raise again? We're not urgently raising, but we are sort of in conversations with several investors to talk about. Uh, you know, the next jump, the next thing. What do we need to do? Um, I yeah, guess it's good then that you're at home for a few weeks because that is time consuming. <laughs> 
Yeah, I never knew how, I mean, I remember fundraising all of last summer. So pretty much from June right through to September, I was just doing this, pitch decks, numbers, pitch decks, numbers, pitch decks, numbers. And I remember getting off some calls, like literally like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. So I see where people go, it's a full-time job. And some people go out and <laughs> get someone to fundraise for them while they focus mm. on the business. Um, yeah, who knows? But yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is really crazy. So there's this tool that, I, that I've referenced before in the past in the podcast, and I, I drew it on the back of an Apple Watch thing, K-A-R-E, like a diagram right. like that. Uh, K stands for care, A is attain, or is recapture, and E is expand. And essentially, I just, once a quarter, I write down the accounts that we want to keep, ones that we want to attain, ones that we want to recapture, and ones that we want to expand. And then from there, you can work on the individual plans. Yep. When it comes to the A part, the attain, attaining net new logos, what are your growth plans for the next 12 to 18 months? How do you, is it primarily introductions, referrals? Is it pick up the phone because you're an early stage business and calling people? Give me an idea of what, of what it's like to kind of get from where you are to where you want to be in 12 months time. Yeah, for sure. I think everything from now, uh, everything from the moment this, the company was evolved to now has been everything net new business as in yeah. Full on, full steam hustle mode, I call it. Every day is hustle mode. I'm always hustling for the next conversation, the next demo, the next meeting, the next proposal. And everything we've got in the pipeline now has been purely from me going out there and being extremely determined just to have a conversation. Um, when I look at sort of the next remaining part of the year, the next six months, we are in some really good conversations with partners where we're going in and doing joint demos, joint proposals, where they're coming in with the you know we're coming in to kind of support them but also you know it's going to benefit us in the long run so we have a couple of those where we've evolved that over the last couple of months um where we're going to get into some doors where we couldn't have done it on our own or if we if we did it probably would have took us another year or so to get into the really big brands that we all know and love so really the focus for the next sort of the next well the remainder of this year is getting into these enterprise businesses whether that's through a partner whether that's through referral whether that's through an introduction or whether it's just picking up where we left off a year ago because it wasn't the right time yeah. um but everything to date has been literally building from the from the ground up every conversation i like it yeah I, I read somewhere yesterday and i saved the document actually because it was a big popular vc firm that said that going forward early stage startups that want to raise money partnerships will be a, a crucial element of they want to see how they're going to develop them if yeah. they're going to if they're going to raise funds so interesting that you mentioned partners yeah 100% we've got some good strategic partners who will open the doors and change our business you know should we all do it and we're all aligned absolutely we'll be having logos that would take years for us to get excellent I love to hear that a couple more questions for you um when this is all done, I don't know whether this is a this is a lifetime project. This is a scale to a certain size and sell. You yep. don't have to say anything. But when it is, and you, if you were to write a book in your life, what would the yep. title of the book be called? Uh, don't take no for an answer. Don't take no for an answer. I like it. I was thinking all all you need is love on a dog because ah, you're a yes. behind you. Oh yes, well the house that this home has always had endless love and laundry. <laughs> That's another like one it. there. Uh, no, don't take no for an answer. You know, just because it's a no doesn't mean it's a firm no. It's a no because they don't understand the product. It's a no because you've caught them on the wrong day. It's a no because they don't fully understand what it is. It's a no because they just, 
you know, it's another email, it's another sales email that's bombarded them while they're stressed out doing PL reports or whatever. Just because they say no, I've always seen of just keep going, get in front of them, build that relationship with them and turn it around. Because people buy people, you can have a five star product in the market and you could be an absolute dick behind it. <laughs> that's my saying. That's a proper northerner, that is. Yep. yep. But so, you, I could have a good product and be a fabulous seller. And they're like, I like you. Your product's okay, but I like you more. <laughs> circling back to, uh, I don't know if it's secondary school or uni, but that teacher, you didn't mention his name. You don't have to, but to, to end things here with the final question, if you were Minister for Education yep. and were tasked with adding a mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum, yep. what would the subject be and why? So for me personally, and having a five-year-old son myself is all about life skills. At school, I never learned how to apply a mortgage. What is rent? What is a deposit? What is a credit card? What is a debit card? How do you do tax? How do you do your car insurance? Nobody learned you that. Yeah. Nobody learned you that. They learned you RE, math, science, geography, volcanoes, Henry VIII. They're all great stuff. Like, good for you. But yeah. for me, if I was to look back or if I look at my son's future and what I want him to learn is life skills. Yeah. yeah. And I just find that the curriculum doesn't hold that. It, you know, how do we do a spreadsheet? How do we, you know, how do we look for a mortgage versus, do you know what I mean? All these different things, nobody teaches you. And sadly, not every parent does understand it. So just True. because the parent doesn't understand it, then the, their child shouldn't. You know, it's, I think every every kid coming out of education should have some a foundation of what life is. Do you know what I mean? I agree. That's what I would say to them. I couldn't agree more. It's actually one of the more popular answers. That and coding are the probably ah, two yeah, popular yeah, yeah. answers. Yeah, that, very that good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rebecca, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. I'll leave links to anything you want in the comments Thank field, you. as well as your website and your socials. But yep. for being my guest today, thanks again. Wish you continued success going forward. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Beautiful morning.